On this episode of Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories of Space and Time. That was fast. <laughs> that was incredible. Mark, you're too much. Mark Helpin in the studio here with me. And Space and Time is the name of Space and Time. Let me get it right. Of Space and Time. That's a really important word of in this case. Works on some movie titles and books too. Of Mice and Men, for instance. You're going to pick up that book. I don't care where that is on the shelf. That title is going to suck you in. Book companies literally spend millions, literally millions, each of them, each and every one of them, have budgets of millions of dollars in marketing, making sure a book is, is out on the shelves before, it's, uh, before it can be even uttered as a possibility for a book. The book's already rented, writ- written, it's already edited, they, uh, they've got a crystal ball, somewhere there's a crystal ball in these major publishing houses. Okay, I'm going to use that pause again. And I want to do that in K at the end of that, too, because it's got some style, and I don't want to get off track. And my track is these publishing houses. Uh, they definitely use space and time, and they take up space when they put their number one bestseller out on the front window there, and you buy it. And that, that publisher, that book, that writer, that, uh, intru- that, that possibly intrepid writer, um, stories, got another book actually planned. She's got three books out there. This will be a fourth. I wish her luck with her editor. She she's, loves her editor. She didn't think the transition was going to work. She was working with an older lady. They were working together. She almost wanted to actually use her in some of her... Uh, well, she was on a couple of uh, the back back page, back, back of the cover uh, notes uh, of... Uh, of authors' accolades, and she's one of the ones that's quoted. Um, Jane Harvey, Jane Hardy, H A R D I E. She's awesome in the industry. All right, she's good, and she knows she works in space and time. But space and time rules everything. I don't want to sound too groovy here. I don't want to get, you know, I, I guess I'm going to conjure up Grateful Dead again, but, you know, I'm not going to go there. It's not about grooviness, it's space and time, and that we're going through space and time. My cat's on my heart right now. She's literally lying down. I'm on the studio couch. I'm on the stewed, the Studebaker, I call it. I'm going to call it that right now. Yeah, I think I'll give my name, I think I'll name my couch. It's a free country. Last I checked, pause again. Last I checked from our last episode. Another thing I just wanted to get on, I love doing new episodes for you guys. Uh, it's the funnest thing to do. New is the new, and the, the old is already the old. Do I listen to my older podcasts? Sure I do. Yeah, in fact, I, I was listening to um, the Chevalier one maybe in the last couple weeks, in the last couple, that's how I kind of time it down. I, I, I really haven't referred to an older show in about a week. I haven't gone back in time. I... I, it's not that I don't want to revisit it. I love our. I think I've got some lovely stories, if I do say so myself. Um, I, maybe I, I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but uh, I like new. I like um, sipping good hot coffee. I like the spur of the moment. 
I like the interplay between my cats. I'm going to do a whole show on interplay. It's going to be called Interplay. Uh, it's it's actually a, it's it's uh, there's a podcast out there already, I believe, but um, this is not a podcast. It's part of the Talk Me Some Art series. Every so often, I like to get the name Talk Me Some Art and other stories in there. It's the full name. Of course, the the uh, trademark patented name. Uh, we have an actual patent. No, I'm just joking. We don't have a patent. Patents are hard to do. You know, it's, it's, you know, you get some. You got to get. You got to hire a pretty de- decent draftsman. At least uh, graduated like I did in in uh, studio arts. I was able to apply some technical drawing in there. I took a couple of stints in the technical drawing class, and um, I'm going to do a story on that. That's coming up with Story Evermore. She's going to examine my psyche, my psyche. And where I, what I was going through, and if I could delve into it, uh, not to use her voice, but if I could delve into it, I've got to bring it up an octave. I've got to bring it up an octave. She could have laryngitis on the show. That's a possibility. Yeah, anything's possible. Story Evermore is going to be interviewing Guy on his uh, his psychological uh, setback, or was it a setback? Well, it was a triumph, actually. A, psychological triumph over injustice in, at Rhode Island College. And it wasn't anything to do with the administration. Uh, in this climate, we know administrations can clash with students. It's not about clashing. Rhode Island College was a had a hands-off policy, not, not in, in a different way. They let, they let the college student be an adult. And I think that's so important today, isn't it? We want to raise our kids as young, young prosperous adults, I hope. I hope that we have only prosperity in their mind and not in a greedy way, not in a selfish way, not in a, um, a, a ostentatious way, not in a, a, a conspicuous spending way. Conspicuous spending believes it becomes is part of the psyche of America. It's that conspicuous consumption is the, the perceivedness, the perceived uh, spending habits, let's say. Let's examine spending habits, maybe in another show, maybe not. Uh, Claude might want to get into that kind of uh, minutia. That's to me. That's sort of, it's it's important information to know, and I think we need to know any information. And it's always welcoming, and I like I like to, to delve, and I like to sometimes check out Google and do some Googles on those aspects. Yeah, those are fun. Those are fun, but I don't want to get the Ark again. Is the Ark of the Covenant? I'm going to call it. I might just call it that. Is the the Ark the overall story Ark the Ark of the the arc of the of the page, the arc of the podcast, where you take it back. What do you take it? Do you take it back to the original? Do you just get off on tangents? Do you leave the do you leave some dramatic suspense in there? Yeah. Do you want to tie it up with a little bow at the end? I always like to tie it up with a little bow. Christmas gifts seem bare when you don't put any ribbon at least around them. In fact, they seem bare even up until the point of the bow. The bow makes the gift, right? The gift, the gift is determined by the bow, the quality of the bow, the way the bow is turned, the care and love and elegance of it, the simplicity. Maybe, maybe that's what you're responding to. Maybe you are responding to something a little more uh, celebrational, and that's nothing wrong with celebrating. We celebrate in life for everything. We find celebration in these days of COVID. Uh, I hate almost referring to this. I hate to be part of the reality of COVID is that we don't get to have those uh, those bigger events, those larger events. My sister-in-law, Janet, and I come to think of it today, in fact, in the conversation we talked about. It's amazing how uh, my podcast could, could relate to this in real life. Our real life was talking in her car today 
about that very same prospect of the idea of uh, what, what happened to what happened to the gatherings, what happened to driving by in your state city park, uh, either your, your city park or your your town square, and seeing gatherings of of large gatherings of people. It re, what, is, what does it do? It visually reinforces a cohesiveness, doesn't it? Instead of separate sects and, and, and separate interests, not that our interests are selfish or sect-like in any way, or click, we're not, we're not walking cliques, we're not a group of cliques, and maybe in some perspectives, in gossipy circles, maybe there is a clique culture going on, and maybe a clique, a clique culture. Is it, is it possible uh, to use the parlance? Uh, and is it possible that we are in this clique culture? Uh, that is segmented further and further and further and, and less recognizable. Maybe we needed a jolt in the arm to propel it even more into extinction. Is, are we going to lose? Are we going to lose that? Are we going to ever gain it back? When we come back together, how are our relationships going to be back together, face-to-face again with people? Are the masks going to come off? Are we going to take our real masks off with us? Am I getting too analytical here? Maybe, yeah, maybe this is another comment, another topic, a heady topic to get into in Talk Me Some Arts and Other Stories. And there I go again with trying to promote the promote what I do, but uh, getting, just creeping back to the story arc a little bit, going back, and the second point was that, uh, you know, I... Um, my, well, the original arc is, of course, space and time. I want to, I want to explore it. I don't want to, I don't want to just keep referring back to it and getting back off a tangent again, which I'm going to do. I'm going to be tangential. All right, the show is tangential. But what I try to do is show through my struggle, my tangential struggle, that I can conquer it by coming back to the original ideas or germs of ideas. Do I refer back to it as I produce? You betcha. You betcha. Do I forget what I've just talked about in the previous segment? I do. I do. Uh, I'm trying to overcome that. I'm trying to work better at it. I'm better at it, actually. I am more disciplined. I can clearly report to you. The story of a more report, if she was out in London working with John Jacobs remote in New York, because he's at his anchor desk, it's glued to him. That anchor desk has been glued to him since 1999, when I first met him at an EarthServe shindig, and uh, that's where I met him. He's a Nebraskan, through and through, but he has a dude ranch in the Sierras of all places. Can you believe that? And he's got also a chalet in Montana, or if I got those two mixed up, I think I got the two inverted. He's got the chalet, which he goes to more often lately. It's awesome to see him do that. And he's gotten away from the big city. He's in New York all year. He's in New York slaving. It seems like he, I, I say, when are you going to get back to your cabin? It seems like it's eternity. He says it's only been eight months. It seems like just the other day we were talking about it. And, of course, in late July, August, on the button, on the nose, we had to work around his schedule a little bit. I had to make notes for him once in the Hilton. Except this was the Hilton in Chicago at the time. No, we weren't in Chicago. We didn't go anywhere near Chicago. I'm thinking of another year. Forget it. It's a whole other year, a whole other story. 
like I said, we go back to 1999, okay? So you can count the years. That's, uh, that's 22 years. That's 20, 21 years ago, right? And so that's a long time ago um, in the whole scheme of things and my relationship with him. But he said, always persevere, guy. Always try to do something new. Always come into it from a fresh angle. Oh, never bore the public. The last thing you want to do is, is, is carry on. Uh, pontificate. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to get. You don't want to beat your chest. You don't want to uh, get on a mountaintop. Sometimes, so you got to pick your battles. You got to. He's got to. He said he knew how to pick his battles. He learned how to pick his battles. That first time he was on the very first set, it was actually some kind of big news. It was not. They had the Y two K party, at, and that was part of another program, not associated. Well, I don't know. Was that all one? I'm missing memory a little bit. I got a little memory block. Might have been too many champagnes, lunches. We had a couple of those, only a couple. Uh, it was sort of, a, it was, it was, it wasn't heady times. It was, it was actually, we were, we were in a real uh, economic boom in the 90s under Clinton. I have to say, I was saying to myself, when this has got to just be a bubbly kind of thing going on. And sure enough, we did the dot-com bubble in the in the the transition of Y2K, how they co- didn't correlate the two, or if they have, uh, it'd be kind of news to me uh, if there's any correlation between uh, the bubble bursting around that time, the dot com bubble, and the Y2, Y2K situation. But I doubt it. I don't think Y2K even formulated onto that page because Y2K was a self-contained, systematic, uh, uh, preventive. Uh, actional, uh, whether it did any difference or not in its actions, we I think we prepared for it. We were probably the most prepared for the Y2K incident, if there ever was one. Is it metaphor? Did it really happen? Is it just? Is, was it a real, actual point in time? Was it actually at the stroke of the midnight hour, at the 12 a.m. on January 1st of 2000? was what was going to happen in those first... Well, the only way we could count it was in seconds. We couldn't do it in a second. That would have been too short of a time. Would the whole... Would our computers explode at home? Oh, yeah, these were questions I think people actually asked and wondered. What was going to happen? What was going to be the ramifications of something so... uh, Well, seemingly, at the time, uh, it, it seemed like an insidious plot at the end of destruction of the digital era. Uh, it was really an uh, ex- existential, possibly, exploration for a lot of people. Let's think about it. Let's think about what the implications would have had on the tech culture. Did they know any better? Wouldn't they have disseminated that knowledge? Wouldn't, wouldn't the full knowledge of the impact, if they knew what was going to happen, wouldn't that have been disseminated? Sure. And there were scientists and, and examiners, of course, and we, I guess, were lucky to have them that said, uh, this is not anything to be concerned about. Uh, there's nothing here, here. You can go, you know, it's like the the, uh, the Leslie Nielsen, nothing to see here. Uh, you know, he, he shoes the, the, the citizenry away from the gawkingness of their, uh, their peers at what's happening, peering, peering, P-E-E-R. Uh, well, peers, peer would be peering in this case, but, you know, as opposed to peer, you know, a peer 
someone you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's good to have a sense of humor. I like to laugh. I like to be self-deprecating. And I like, um, I, I don't like to repeat myself. If I'm, if I'm ever repeating myself, unless I make a point of it and I make a, a note that I've said it in a previous podcast, um, I know I'm saying it again. I know I'm saying it again. The utterance, you know, you don't go through those calorie burnings. Those calorie burnings come to help you out later on with recurred memory and uh, what, what your behavioral patterns are. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's very elemental. It's very elemental. I'm going to sound like the professor on the cartoon. Oh, yeah, it's very elemental, my son. Look at section A, figure four. You'll see the by Catherine. Oh, yeah. Catherine Hepburn. What are, the Catherine Hepburn angle in geometry. I was trying to bring up Pythagorean. The Pythagorean proof. Um, but uh, I have memories of, of high school and grammar school. Well, high school being taught the Pythagorean theorems and uh, proofs, and you'd work up proofs and try to prove what you were trying to prove, and it was all very logical. And my uh, my cousin by marriage, uh, Richard Pascucci, who passed away years ago, uh, he had uh, multiple sclerosis. It was devastating, devastating to his family, devastating to him, and uh, they they persevered. Uh, on their own fronts and, and all well and, and good, but you know he was he he withered away. He really literally did, you know. And I, MS does that. It did it to my aunt Peggy recently, of recent years. She passed away uh, two three years ago. Now, uh, must be about three years ago. My aunt Peggy died, and she had uh, multiple sclerosis. Uh, maybe two years ago. It might just be two years ago because she died very much sooner. Very, and my aunt Joan died on the heels of her about a month or so later. So uh, we were going to two different wakes, and uh, in 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 so many months almost, it seemed. Although I didn't go to my aunt Joan's wake, they had a more private uh, setup, which is respectable, which I could need to should respect. And um, but my aunts are wonderful, and um, it. We were rewarded space and time with our uh, explorations and our, um, our, the encouragement, the encouragement that we got from our mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles on a daily basis. We were always encouraged. I remember in my little f- tractor that I would drive around in my Aunt Jackie's driveway and ride back up to my Meme Massey for, for words of encouragement. And she would always have a fair plum, a beautiful ripened plum with the stem pulled out and all in perfect glory. And she'd throw me another plum. And it was always something I loved to hear. She was a lovely, lovely lady. And my meme, the same thing. My meme, I could do a story or two or three or four on my meme's stories of uh, the Lugaloos of Canada, the, the mysterious monkeys that lurked in the... I want to give it a full homage. I want to give that show some real spread out time and exposition to, to really scale it up in the, in the spirit of a Buckles Brannigan saga. Uh, his latest effort is going to be awesome. And you've got to check it out on a future very imminent podcast. We're saying imminent, but we really do mean it's going to be coming real soon, sooner than later. Sooner than later, you'll be hearing 
the uh, spurs of it. But my meme, I love driving my tractor back up on that Sunday afternoon of the picnic. Everybody else jostling around and Kentucky Fried Chicken was just being ordered and we were ready to eat. And I would drive, ride back up on my little tractor, my red tractor that was actually my cousin's, not mine. But I would commandeer it every time I came over. And they were relinquished. The Blyers were generous people, gener- generous people. And I make them sound like Indians. But no, they were my cousins. And they were awesome. And I love them. And we, we just uh, we, we had that great time and moments together in 1965, let's say, of, uh, of July uh, at my Aunt Jackie's house in the Woodlawn section of Pawtucket, on, uh, off Pawtucket Avenue. Um, and 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 um, I don't I want to remember the street, and I'm not quite remembering the street, but I'm going to bring that street back, the Blyers, uh, with the street they live, the Dr. Blyer and family. That's my aunt Jackie's family, and uh, Jackie and John Blyer, and they were married a little bit after my father and mother. Uh, they were married I think in '57 or '56 or '58. One of those years, one of those great years, um, coming close to my birthday of 1960. I wasn't on the scene yet. So my meme was in her later years, and uh, she was there for me when I came up with my little car, my tractor in this case, and she was comforting. She was so comforting to, I think of it now, and it gives me comfort. It gives me joy and comfort in the moment, and I... I'm glad that we can have these moments. And, and, you know, Buckles, he would be here to first say, first and foremost, that uh, if you look under trusty, or if you look under uh, proper... Here's a previous recording. Listening to that, uh, who, thanks, Mark. was fast that was incredible mark you're too much mark helping in the studio here with me and space and time is the name of space and time let me get it right of space and time that's a really important word of in this case works on some movie titles and books too of mice and men for instance you're going to pick up that book. I don't care where that is on the shelf. That title is going to suck you in. Book companies literally spend millions, literally millions, each of them, each and every one of them, have budgets of millions of dollars in marketing, making sure a book is, is out on the shelves before, it's, uh, before it can be even uttered as a possibility for a book. The book's already rented, writ- written, it's already edited, they, uh, they've got a crystal ball. Somewhere there's a crystal ball in these major publishing houses. Okay, I'm going to use that pause again. And I'm going to do that okay at the end of that too because it's got some style and I don't want to get off track. And my track is these publishing houses. Uh, they definitely use space and time and they take up space when they put their number one bestseller out on the front window there and you buy it. And that, that publisher, that book... That writer, that uh, intru- that that possibly intrepid writer, 
um, stories. We've got another book actually planned. She's got three books out there. This will be a fourth. I wish her luck with her editor. She she's, loves her editor. She didn't think the transition was going to work. She was working with an older lady. They were working together. She almost wanted to actually use her in some of her... Uh, well, she was on a couple of uh, the back back page, back back of the cover uh, notes uh, of... Uh, of authors' accolades, and she's one of the ones that's quoted. Um, Jane Harvey, Jane Hardy, H A R D I E. She's awesome in the industry. All right, she's good. She knows she works in space and time, but space and time rules everything. I don't want to sound too groovy here. I don't want to get, you know, I, I guess I'm going to conjure up Grateful Dead again, but you know, I'm not going to go there. It's not about grooviness, it's space and time, and that we're going through space and time. My cat's on my heart right now. She's literally lying down. I'm on the studio couch. I'm on the stewed, the Studebaker, I call it. I'm going to call it that right now. Yeah, I think I'll give my name, I think I'll name my couch. It's a free country. Last I checked, pause again. Last I checked from our last episode. Another thing I just wanted to get on, I love doing new episodes for you guys. Uh, it's the funnest thing to do. New is the new. And the, the old is already the old. Do I listen to my older podcasts? Sure I do. Yeah, in fact, I, I was listening to um, the Chevalier one maybe in the last couple weeks, in the last couple... That's how I kind of time it down. I, I, I really haven't referred to an older show in about a week. I haven't gone back in time. I... I, it's not that I don't want to revisit it. I love our. I think I've got some lovely stories, if I do say so myself. Um, I, maybe I, I, I might be getting ahead of myself, but uh, I like new. I like um, sipping good hot coffee. I like the spur of the moment. I like the interplay between my cats. I'm going to do a whole show on interplay. It's going to be called interplay. Uh, it's, it's actually, a, it's, it's, uh, there's a podcast out there already, I believe, but, um, this is not a podcast. It's part of the Talk Me Some Art series. Every so often I like to get the name Talk Me Some Art and other stories in there is the full name. And of course, the, the, uh, trademark patented name, uh, we have an actual patent. No, I'm just joking. We don't have a patent. Patents are hard to do. You know, it's, it's you know, you get some, you gotta get, you gotta get hire a pretty de- decent draftsman, at least, uh, graduated like I did. In, in uh, studio arts, I was able to apply some technical drawing in there. I took a couple of stints in the technical drawing class, and um, I'm going to do a story on that. That's coming up with Story Evermore. She's going to examine my psyche, my psyche, and where I, what I was going through, and if I could delve into it, uh, not to use her voice, but if I could delve into it, I've got to bring it up an octave. I've got to bring it up an octave. She can have laryngitis on the show. That's a possibility. Anything's possible. Story Evermore is going to be interviewing Guy on his uh, his psychological uh, setback, or was it a setback? Well, it was a triumph, actually, a psychological triumph over injustice in, at Rhode Island College. And it wasn't anything to do with the administration. Uh, in this climate, we know administrations can clash with students. It's not about clashing. Rhode Island College was a had a hands-off policy, not not in, in a different way. They let they let the college student be an adult, and I think that's so important today, isn't it? We want to raise our kids as young, young, prosperous adults. I hope, 
I hope that we have only prosperity in their mind and not in a greedy way, not in a selfish way, not in a, um, a, a ostentatious way, not in a, a, a conspicuous spending way. Conspicuous spending believes it becomes is part of the psyche of America. It's that conspicuous consumption is the, the perceivedness, the perceived uh, spending habits, let's say. Let's examine spending habits. Well, maybe in another show, maybe not. Uh, Claude might want to get into that kind of uh, minutia. That's to me. That's sort of it's it's important information to know, and I think we need to know any information. And it's always welcoming, and I like I like to, to delve, and I like to sometimes uh, check out Google and do some Googles on those aspects. Yeah, those are fun. Those are fun, but I don't want to get the Ark again. Is the Ark of the Covenant? I'm going to call it. I might just call it that. Is the the arc the overall story arc the arc of the the arc of the of the page the arc of the podcast where you take it back what do you take it do you take it back to the original do you just get off on tangents do you leave the you leave some dramatic suspense in there yeah do you want to tie it up with a little bow at the end I always like to tie it up with a little bow Christmas gifts seem bare when you don't put any ribbon at least around them. In fact, they seem bare even up until the point of the bow. The bow makes the gift, right? The gift, the gift is determined by the bow, the quality of the bow, the way the bow is turned, the care and love and elegance of it, the simplicity. Maybe, maybe that's what you're responding to. Maybe you are responding to something a little more uh, celebrational, and that's nothing wrong with celebrating. We celebrate in life for everything. We find celebration in these days of COVID. I hate almost referring to this. I hate to be part of the reality of COVID is that we don't get to have those uh, those bigger events, those larger events. My sister-in-law, Janet, and I come to think of it today. In fact, in the conversation we talked about, it's amazing how uh, my podcast could, could relate to this in real life. Our real life was talking in her car today about that very same prospect of the idea of uh, what, what happened to what happened to the gatherings? What happened to driving by in your state city park, uh, even your, your city park or your your town square, and seeing gatherings of of large gatherings of people? It re, what, is, what does it do? It visually reinforces a cohesiveness, doesn't it? Instead of separate sects and, and, and separate interests, not that our interests are selfish or sect-like in any way or click. We're not we're not walking clicks. We're not a group of clicks. And maybe in some perspectives, a gossipy circles, maybe there is a clique culture going on, and maybe a clique, a clique culture. Is it is it possible uh, to use the parlance? Uh, and is it possible that we are in this clique culture uh, that is segmented further and further and further and, and less recognizable? Maybe we needed a jolt of the arm to propel it even more into extinction. Is, are we going to lose? Are we going to lose that? Are we going to ever gain it back? When we come back together, how are our relationships going to be back together, face-to-face again with people? Are the masks going to come off? Are we going to take our real masks off with us? Am I getting too analytical here? Maybe, yeah, maybe this is another comment, another topic, a heady topic to get into and talk me some arts and other stories. And there I go again with trying to promote the promote what I do, but uh, getting just creeping back to the story arc a little bit, going back. And the second point was that 
you know, I um, my well, the original arc is of course space and time. I want to I want to explore it. I don't want to I don't want to just keep referring back to it and getting back off a tangent again, which I'm going to do. I'm going to be tangential. All right, the show is tangential. But what I try to do is show through my struggle, my tangential struggle, that I can conquer it by coming back to the original ideas or germs of ideas. Do I refer back to it as I produce? You betcha. You betcha. Do I forget what I've just talked about in the previous segment? I do. I do. Uh, I'm trying to overcome that. I'm trying to work better at it. I'm better at it, actually. I am more disciplined. I can clearly report to you. The story of a Mormon report, if she was out in London working with John Jacobs remote in New York, because he's at his anchor desk, it's glued to him. That anchor desk has been glued to him since 1999, when I first met him at an EarthServe uh, shindig, and uh, that's where I met him. He's a Nebraskan, through and through. But he has a dude ranch in the Sierras of all places. Can you believe that? And he's got also a chalet in Montana. Or if I got those two mixed up, I think I got the two inverted. He's got the chalet, which he goes to more often lately. It's awesome to see him do that. And he's gotten away from the big city. He's in New York all year. He's in New York slaving. It seems like he... I I say, when are you going to get back to your cabin? It seems like it's eternity. He says, it's only been eight months. It seems like just the other day we were talking about it. And, of course, in late July, August, on the button, on the nose, we had to work around his schedule a little bit. I had to make notes for him once in the Hilton. Except this was the Hilton in Chicago at the time. No, we weren't in Chicago. We didn't go anywhere near Chicago. I'm thinking of another year. Forget it. It's a whole other year, a whole other story. Like I said, we go back to 1999, okay? So you can count the years. That's... uh, that's 22 years, that's 20, 21 years ago, right? And so that's a long time ago um, in the whole scheme of things and my relationship with him. But he said, always persevere, guy. Always try to do something new. Always come into it from a fresh angle. Oh, never bore the public. The last thing you want to do is, is, is carry on, uh, pontificate. Uh, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to beat your chest. You don't want to uh, get on a mountaintop sometimes. So you got to pick your battles. You got to. He's got to. He said he knew how to pick his battles. He learned how to pick his battles. That first time he was on the very first set, it was actually some kind of big news. It was not. They had the Y two K party, at, and that was part of another program, not associated. Well, I don't know. Was that all one? I'm missing memory a little bit. I got a little memory block. Might have been too many champagnes, lunches. We had a couple of those, only a couple. Uh, it was sort of a, it was, it was, it wasn't heady times. It was, it was actually, we were, we were in a real uh, economic boom in the 90s under Clinton. I have to say, I was saying to myself, when this has got to just be a bubbly kind of thing going on. And sure enough, we did the dot-com bubble in the in the the transition of Y2K, how they co- didn't correlate the two, or if they have, uh, it'd be kind of news to me. Uh, if there's any correlation between 
the bubble bursting around that time, the dot-com bubble and the Y2K situation, but I doubt it. I don't think Y2K even formulated onto that page because Y2K was a self-contained, systematic, uh, uh, preventive, uh, actional uh, whether it did any difference or not in its actions, we, I think we prepared for it. We were probably the most prepared for the Y2K incident, if there ever was one. Is it metaphor? Did it really happen? Is it just, is, was it a real actual point in time? Was it actually at the stroke of the midnight hour, at the 12 a.m. on January 1st of 2000? Was what was going to happen in those first well, the only way we could count it was in seconds. We couldn't do it in a second. That would have been too short of a time. Would the whole, would our computers explode at home? Oh yeah, these were questions I think people actually asked and wondered. What was going to happen? What was going to be the ramifications of something so, uh, well, seemingly at the time, uh, it, it seemed like an insidious plot at the end of destruction of the digital era. Uh, this is really a uh, existential, possibly, exploration for a lot of people. Let's think about it. Let's think about what the implications would have had on the tech culture. Did they know any better? Wouldn't they have disseminated that knowledge? Wouldn't, wouldn't the full knowledge of the impact, if they knew what was going to happen, wouldn't that have been disseminated? Sure. And there were scientists and, and examiners, of course. And we, I guess, were lucky to have them that said, uh, this is not anything to be concerned about. Uh, there's nothing here, here. You can go, you know, it's like the the, uh, the Leslie Nielsen, nothing to see here. Uh, you know, he, he shoes the, the, the citizenry away from the gawkiness of their, uh, their peers at what's happening, peering, peering, P-E-E-R. Uh, well, peers, peer would be peering in this case, but, you know, as opposed to peer, you know, a peer, someone you know uh, <laughs> and uh, it's good to have a sense of humor I like to laugh I like to be self-deprecating and I like um, I, I don't like to repeat myself if I'm, if I'm ever repeating myself unless I make a point of it and I make a, a note that I've said it in a previous podcast um, I know I'm saying it again I know I'm saying it again the utterance you know, you don't go through those calorie burnings. Those calorie burnings come to help you out later on with recurred memory and uh, what what your behavioral patterns are. Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's very elemental. It's very elemental. I'm going to sound like the professor on the cartoon. Oh, yeah, it's very elemental, my son. Look at section A, figure four. You'll see the by Catherine. Oh, yeah, Catherine Hepburn. What are, the Catherine Hepburn angle. In geometry, I was trying to bring up Pythagorean, the Pythagorean proof. Um, but uh, I have memories of, of high school and grammar school. Well, high school being taught the Pythagorean theorems and uh, proofs, and you'd work up proofs and try to prove what you were trying to prove, and it was all very logical. And my uh, my cousin by marriage. Uh, Richard Pascucci, who passed away years ago, uh, he had uh, multiple sclerosis. It was devastating, devastating to his family, devastating to him. And um, they they persevered uh, on their own fronts and, and all well and, and good. But 
you know, he was, he, he withered away. He really literally did, you know, and I, MS does that. It did it to my aunt Peggy recently of recent years. She passed away uh, two, three years ago now. Uh, must be about three years ago, my aunt Peggy died. And she had uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, maybe two years ago. It might just be two years ago because she died very much sooner. Very, and uh, my aunt Joan died on the heels of her about a month or so later. So uh, we were going to two different wakes and uh, in, 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 in so many months almost, it seemed. Although I didn't go to my Aunt Joan's wake, they had a more private uh, setup, which is respectable, which I could need to, should respect. And, um, but my aunts are wonderful and, um, and we were rewarded space and time with our uh, explorations and our, um, our, the encouragement, the encouragement that we got from our mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles on a daily basis. We were always encouraged. I remember in my little f- tractor that I would drive around in my aunt Jackie's driveway and ride back up to my Meme Massey for, for words of encouragement. And she would always have a fair plum a beautiful ripened plum with the stem pulled out and all in perfect glory and she'd throw me another plum and it was always something I loved to hear she was a lovely lovely lady and my meme the same thing my meme I could do a story or two or three or four on my meme's stories of uh, the Lugaloos of Canada the, the mysterious monkeys that lurked in the I want to give it a full homage I want to give that show some real spread out time and exposition to, to really scale it up in the, in the spirit of a Buckles Brannigan saga. Uh, his latest effort is going to be awesome. And you're going to check it out on a future very imminent podcast. We're saying imminent, but we really do mean it's going to be coming real soon, sooner than later. Sooner than later, you'll be hearing the uh, spurs of it. But my meme, I loved driving my tractor back up on that Sunday afternoon of the picnic. Everybody else jostling around and Kentucky Fried Chicken was just being ordered and we were ready to eat. And I would drive, ride back up on my little tractor, my red tractor that was actually my cousin's, not mine. But I would commandeer it every time I came over. And they were relinquished. The Blyers were generous people, generous people. And I make them sound like Indians. No, they were my cousin's. And they were awesome, and I love them. And we, we just, uh, we, we had that great time and moments together in 1965, let's say, of, uh, of July uh, at my Aunt Jackie's house in the Woodlawn section of Pawtucket, on, uh, off Pawtucket Avenue. Um, and and, and um, I don't, I want to remember the street, and I'm not quite remembering the street, but I'm going to bring that street back the Blyers, uh, with the street they live, the Dr. Blyer and family. That's my aunt Jackie's family, and uh, Jackie and John Blyer. And they were married a little bit after my father and mother. Uh, they were married, I think, in 57 or 56 or 58, one of those years, one of those great years. Um, coming close to my birthday of 1960, I wasn't on the scene yet. So my meme was in her later years, and uh, she was there for me when I came up with my little car, my tractor, in this case, and 
she was comforting. She was so comforting to, I think of it now and it gives me comfort. It gives me joy and comfort in the moment. And I, I'm glad that we can have these moments. And with me here in the studio is Mr. Buckles Brannigan. Thanks for coming to Pawtucket, Buckles. Guy, I can't tell you how it's so great to sit in front of this microphone, which I sit in front of. I've sat in front of this umpteen times, you know that. In our past interactions in the studio, some cuts didn't make it. Some didn't even go past the cutting room floor, as they say, to use an old cliché. But uh, I want to talk to you about my construction days, working in the construct, the construct of one of the uh, great institutions there. It's called the commercial block. And we had a commercial block. And the sheriff was across the way with the doctor's office. He was there in a semi-detached, uh, I guess it was a, it had about a six-inch crawl space between the two buildings. I know, I know that because one of the, uh, one of the thin, well, thin, thin gunmen uh, tried to get away once and hid between the walls, and we could see him in the silhouette of the setting sun. Just like an old Western, just like a Zane Gray, anything you read from Zane Gray, anything is outrageous and colorful, that the picture that is painted by that author. And I've yet to read any of his real works. I want to delve more into Zane. I'm going to delve into him uh, on, a, on, a, on a real level. I want to see what makes this man tick, what made Sherman Potter get so excited about reading him, what brought him what brought him borderline high art. I want to see what makes the man tick. I want to delve into his deepest of stories. Maybe right out right out of the gate. Maybe we'll just do his best one first. We can't go wrong with that. Why work up to something uh, having to do that? Maybe you want to get on that arc. You're welcome to get on that arc. But guy, it's great to be here. I I love Pawtucket. I love your city. I'm getting better at pronouncing your city. Central Falls. Central Falls. We have a, a Morgan Falls in, 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 in Northbrook region. The Northbrook region was determined by McCabe. He, they only called him the Northbrook region because it was spelled with an E at the end of his daughter's name. One of his names, her name was Mary Brook, B-R-O-O-K, her middle name, and he liked that name. And it was a descent on that because his wife didn't agree. They spat. They literally spat at each other. Uh, talk about spitting contest. He was one of the masters. They spat in public. Oh, sure, they did. They did. They, they just despised the landing words of the land and land. They would spat in front of church. They would spat in front of saloon. Of course, he hung around saloon. That's a, that's a known fact. He drank pretty hard. He was a pretty hard hitting. Uh, he's a cowpoke by nature. But she uh, she ruled the roost. She ruled the roost. We're wondering if we probed enough being on this interview and second phase phase of this on your quick segment. By the way, 
getting such positive feedback on your quick segment. But just getting back to uh, why I'm here, and that is to uh, to further uh, along the process of dramatic intrigue without with with the least risk of overexposure. The last thing a celebrity wants to be is overexposed. Okay, it, it waters down your reputation, waters down your, it thins out your blood. It uh, makes you a weaker player in a lot of sense. You're, you're overplayed. Your hand's overplayed. And the last thing that Buckles Brannigan wants to do, and I'm going to mention his name every time I mention him because I don't know if the word gets out enough, but I think we're getting response from all over the world. I worked. I just came back from Birmingham, England on a two-day, you told me three days, I say two, I guess it just rolled all into one. We made it actually trip to London. Uh, we didn't get a chance to meet with Story. She's doing reporting out there. But London, as you know, is a fairly big town, and we met in the south, southern London. She was more uh, in the in the central uh, areas, the financial area. She was doing some reportage on uh, England's financial uh, impact from COVID, part of her COVID uh, 21 story, which is coming in January. Wait, you don't want to miss that. COVID 21. It's going to re-examine COVID. It's going to take it and dissect it. It's going to take that very familiar molecule, you know, with the pyramids on it. It looks spiky. It's a spiky. It's a suction cuppy. It's a suction cuppy looking virus. It, it sucks. It gets it gets it attaches on you. It must be challenging the pharmaceutical companies to break up that that uh, relative complex looking molecule uh, that is the COVID molecule. So, guy, I'm talking to Mark earlier. We are talking about how fast we put these things together and how fast you've put these together over the last... Talk about our show on space and time, which we didn't explore enough, just like we didn't explore enough of some other subjects in the past. But space and time, we wanted to delve more into that. And how did we relate it? Can we bring it back into this interview? Mark's saying no. We've got a schedule to meet. He's probably right about that. He's wearing another hat. All right, this one says... Continuity director. No, not continuity director, although that's very important. In my stories with us, I worked with Story Evermore and she wanted the facts and everybody wants facts. We've got the, we've got a few, a few, uh, offstage consultants that work with us. We've got a, a Wild West experiment, a person who was a pioneer in Wild West re, reenactments and in reality. And bringing in modern dynamics, trying that model. He tried different models. He used the 1880s mentality model, right down to the way the English was spoken. It didn't have the slang that we were accustomed to in Hollywood movies. Hollywood movies are going to popularize certain lines that are relevant and bring in some relevance from the story. It adds relevance. It adds a texture, right? It's another texture. And we learned this, me talking continuously in the silence of the bike and you giving me the latitude, not interrupting me and not, not doing any, oh, all right, oh, I agree, oh, yeah. Guy does that. 
I like his interactive style. I like what they have the back and forth. He's had good back and forth with his brothers. He's an enthusiastic interviewer. We like that in an interview. We like an interview to be quiet once in a while. Maybe, maybe not. But when I go on about uh, interaction, interplay, that's another word, interplay. What's the interplay between the character actor and, and the, uh, the supporting? What's the, the, the character actor usually was a heavy? Got to admit, you know, outside of the milk toast telegraph operator and possibly the sweaty palmed uh, uh, Wells Fargo cashier who is too timid to work with the great, uh, the great uh, 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 actor Dale Robertson on that Tales of Wells Fargo TV show. If he was a milk toasty type, if he was a, a, a tin horn, and if he was a sodbuster, whatever the role. Whatever Zane Gray wrote, I'm all on board. And I told you, I'm going to delve more into him, guy. I really am. Oh, I, 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 I'm so glad we had this, this extended interview. It's a multi-segment interview. It's one of the longest spanning interviews we're going to plan here because he's going to stay with us for most of the rest of our segments. So stick with us if you, if you dare. You're just spacing these with time and space, and you're just putting music on and behind us, and then you're not having it. You're having a quiet segment. This might be another music back segment, knowing your rhythm. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a short enough segment where you group it with the other non-music background segment, and you create the whole layer. Maybe you're going to just use this later and jiggle it. You've been known to kind of do that, but all in also not mix up the order. You've been known to give us some teaser titles where you mentioned the title of the main subject first, but it's not dealt with until towards the end of the 11th hour, so to speak, on the uh, the producer's time scale. He's getting sweaty nervous because you, you don't want to under-deliver on a promise, do you? All the, best, all the best Jack Benny from Jack Benny to Johnny Carson. I can name drop a few. I've worked with a few of them. Not those two, but I've worked with a few of them. They knew comedic timing. They knew the idea of the pause and the pantomime and the interplay. They had it down. They had it down for all of us to witness, and we were very lucky, very lucky to be involved that way. But getting back to my own mini story log, I want to talk about what I want to talk about is construction and, and construction in the South Fork. And it's great to see the development and the hammers going. Uh, we're using the old earth serve leftover remnant product that was in back on the sets. We're reincorporating that into our act. Some of them were, were wrongly purposed. We've dismantled those venues. It's a multi-stage complex. GJM Productions spreads out into other sound stages throughout the South Fork area. It moves where it needs to move. It was a mobile studio in Cobalt that succeeded in that production. Buckles Brannigan and the Cobalt Blues. That was a legendary program. And that, that show aired, uh, that aired uh, back in September. Well, it's, it, I don't even know the date, but I know, I can tell you one thing. It was in a great era of color production. 
It had vibrancy. It had uh, relevance. The show could be watched today. It has the same relevance. The interplay between the heavy again and the and the lightweight, the heavy and the protagonist and the antagonist. The heavy, not the lightweight, the the medium height uh, dude, the everyman, the everyman, the the James Stewart could bring that mentality. Uh, certainly, Gary Cooper could be the everyman. Certainly, uh, any of the great men, the stereotypical latching more of, of style of Kirk Douglas in his westerns still had the everyman aspect. We had Glenn Ford, who was quintessential everyman, Anthony Quinn in an exotic everyman sort of, uh, in, a, in the sense of Greek, in his, his accent, uh, very, very present nature of acting, very present actor. One of our more present actors and natural actors that I could think of I can't think of a more natural actor than Anthony Quinn, can you? Claude, are you there? just being kind of in this accent because I want to tell you that I have done skipped music in the last segment just to trick you. Oh, well, that's understandable, guy. I know everybody wants to trip up Buckles Brannigan once in a while. And the only thing Buckles Brannigan might trip on is his own buckle. But that's only going to be because of any stupidity on his part. And yet, he's shown some uh, pretty uh, obtuse grace. I'm going to say he's not indifferent. He's, uh, he's involved. He wants to pick up every single last rapper in the town. He cannot stand a dirty South Fork in the Texas Territory. The Territory of Texas, USA. Yes, he's, he's, he's not part of the U.S. yet. It's the Texas Territory. But yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be. It's the potential. This, the new episode, if we want to get along with potential, it has the potential of being the most potentiality uh, storied show. It's going to talk about a lot of good things. But I want to get back to what I was originally talking about, why I'm here, and that's Construct. I don't want to get too deviate and have it all multi-segmented, broken up by you, guy. God bless you, though. And good, good effort you're putting in. You're putting in a gallant yeoman's effort, as they say in the Navy speak and parlance. On the landlubber side, though, I, we never came much past the banks of the Rio Grande. The horses had to carry through on some of those tributaries, working off on Pearson Canyon back in there until you get into the dry, arid areas western and western extremes there of the territory where we're full with a full brunt of the Pearson area came into play with the uh, with the Comanche the Apache those were always fighting see now we in, in when you're talking in the war of Indians they were warring really against their own tribe the, their real blood was at it which it was separated only by tribe you see it was really it was really that kind of interplay again we're bringing up interplay lately on a lot of things and I'm going to put a segment out for that I'm going to put a call out for that to be in a possible subtitle or a co-title in the in the longer extended version titles 
yeah, I found I found actually buckles when I when I title the shows. Um, I'm limited to two. I'm limited to two or three short ones, three short bursts of words that work together uh, to reiterate what I was saying. Not necessarily re- be repetitive. The description I don't usually repeat the title unless it's got to be repeated. It's got to be said up front for clarity reasons uh, and contextual reasons. Those would be the only real parameters that I would set to use that word parameters um, to set the clock by. But um, I the I wanted to do, I wanted to actually ask you more. I was more interested in your um, assessment of uh, your financial assessment because you were looking at making another initial investment. You're in part of the investment group that is backing up uh, the labeling, the manufacturing quality aspects. Uh, you're into the quality program, but you're also into the marketing aspect program. But you're quality, you're definitely quality uh, leadership in that role. And uh, so your your whole stint is, is that. And that money was being... Um, reinvested in some construction projects. Can you talk about them, Buckles? I can, Guy. I'm glad again to be here in Pawtucket. Uh, we're broadcasting from Guy's stu- lovely studio and his Studebaker couch. His studio couch in Studebaker in one. And uh, it looks like a classic, classic couch to me. It's comfortable. I'm lying down on it like he's a psychiatrist, like he's Dr. Capo. And he's not Dr. Capo. Capo is in Boston with his fortune teller uh, ornament uh, taking up half the room up there in his office in Boston overlooking the the 16th floor overlooking the alley. I know this whole story. I know him like a back of my hand. He came through. He worked with Dr. Miller. He worked on his truck, on Dr. Miller's truck. Miller is the guy who is, didn't follow his father, his brother's footsteps, his older brother, who's a banker, respected banker Miller, the younger brother, by three years, or I'm going to say four years, he's stripped three years, three years. You should look that up, because they're legendary in their relationship. If there's a relationship between brothers that has some drama and excitement, and they might figure in a couple of stories, I'm thinking. They might figure. But the two brothers are, um, are at the opposite ends of spectrums and uh, couldn't be any more different in mentality. And the story is of, 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 of some intrigue here, but the bottom line is investments were made and it was an infrastructure project of part of the commercial block of South Fork, an establishing commercial block, and Guy was up on the roof working with contractors, and uh, and I was up there working with, uh, he came up only with the contractors, I was up there with the work, I was actually doing the work, I'm a master carpenter in my spare time, I, always, I love carpentry, and but I'm not acting, I'm doing a lot of carpentry, it's, it's a beautiful art uh, it's the art of quietude and total immersion in the wood you really do you get into the wood the wood and I can't say that word with any more affection than I said 
Do you respect wood like Larry David does at Curb Your Enthusiasm? Do you respect wood, Susie, J.D., Marky, out there in Grandpa Room Land? Put on your little, put on, put out your little wands there and look into the, look into me and see me. And so that's what the whole thing is all about. And uh, when I started on the roof, we worked our way down. Uh, basically, we needed to get the roof on and get that place enclosed. But we got a great commercial block there full of great-looking Hollywood. They look like fronts, the Hollywood sets, but they've got backs to them. Some of them go back deeper than others. Uh, we got the old established part of town. It's been there for since 1862 and actually earlier. 1858 was the first stake of claim there, and it really grew fast in the first 10 years. It really grew fast, and then it came into a maximum population, uh, hit 90 in May of, of 1871. And by 1872, it was down to 87, and it never looked back. It never looked back, and the construction is hopefully going to bring in more people, more more excitement into town. It needs a little bit more critical mass. We realize we're, we're lacking on that, but that actually creates some tension in the program. We're not Rome here. This is this is a town called South Fork in the Texas, in the territory that's called Texas. And uh, what that means, I don't know what Texas means, but it's a big, big place. We got ranches, we got Cowpokes, we got sidewinders that are minding their own. Not necessarily, they're rustlers, some of them. Some of them are cattle rustlers by trade. That's how you had to do it back in the 80s. What are you doing by trade? Not what you're doing now. I don't really care what you're doing right now. I'll look the other way. You want to play cards? We'll have a card game. That'd be an innocent fun. But I'm going to look the way when you talk about your doings. But if you're talking about what your regular doings are, it's sod busting, it's uh, cow poking, it's uh, it's 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 grow it's groving, it's the grovers and they, they, what they take in, what they bring in, and what what kind of how many head they got, how big is this run, how how long and extended was it, did they, did they how did they do it, how's the health of the animals. You know, these are all things that Grovers are responsible for. They had to live up to that role of uh, br bringing up the cattle as they progressed down the huge, vast, vast distances. Thousand miles is not a, not an uncommon traverse, bringing some of these cows down into Texas to, to the Rio Grande Valley for trade. And I tell you, the big trade was really with McCabe and his gang. And they were up on the high horse. He came in. He came into the Henderson house there, uh, was it Perkins, Perkins lady there, Meg, and uh, they, uh, they basically uh, took siege, and he never got off his horse, and he just he fired shots himself. He killed and he killed uh, uh, one of his old men. This guy was not a good man feller. He misidentified. He mismarked his man. He didn't get his man. He really fucked up on that one guy. I use that word, fucked up, because he did. He fucked up royally. Did he really? He did he really fuck up royally? 
I don't want the British lady coming in either. Please, Mark, make sure she doesn't signal in. Um, I think he fucked up royally, and I think he had, he's got, he's got a price to pay for it. On this extended version of Talk Me Some Art and Other Stories, I will delve into my stay at my brother's and how it relates to having fun. What is fun? Fun is something. It's something we strive for on a daily basis. A little bit of fun. There's nothing wrong with it. God wants us to have some fun. God's got a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have to have a sense of humor, wouldn't he? Looking at our behavior. And uh, if not a sense of pathos, but uh, God doesn't go there. Uh, not, not in my book, at least, from where I sit. Uh, God doesn't go, he goes, every, he goes everywhere, but he doesn't go into the vortex of our own pity and self-pathos, uh, self, self pathos really, is what it is. Do we want to go there? No, we don't want to go there. I want to talk about fun things. This is what it's all about, fun. I like having fun. I like fun. I like the word fun. It's a short, pithy word that really works. You can have a fun drive. You can have a fun razor. You can have a fun time. You can have a fun dango. You can have a fun bad sweater party at Christmas time. You can do just about anything you want with the word fun. It's a real activity word. The Deadheads had a lot of fun listening to their fun band. Fun upstage. New with new and exciting material. Always to do. Always to reinvent. Never the same performance twice in a Grateful Dead concert. You will never hear them sound the same. Exact. In fact, every bit of their concerts have a separate tim- timbre all their own. Every, every bit of their repertoire, performed everywhere worldwide, has a different sound to each one as a unique signature. It's almost like you could picture it on a graph, and you can dissect out the segments in question, and examine them, and look, and see for deviation, and you'll see plenty of it. You'll see a lot of activity at the edges, at the edges, at the edges of music. The boundaries of edginess come through in a relaxed stage presence, if, if, if somewhat clunky and chunky. Uh, they were not the, not the visual uh, animatics of later stage productions, so they got a little more animated. And they're conservative in their approach, never spoke to the audience, really. Very rarely will you hear the Grateful Dead addressing the public except at break time when they had to go for break. Never acknowledging where they were. Notice these patterns, these patterns of behavior that were long set when they formed the Grateful Dead back in 1965. History never looked back. History, history went on. More time moved on. In time and space, we did the, the segment to pay, pay homage, homage to time and space, and, and uh, we didn't get into time and space and time in the science fiction realm. We wanted to explore some of the lost space in Star Trek. We wanted to revisit, but in sense of uh, economy of scale, uh, it's taken back. 